All right, welcome to Is This Us, the podcast, the place where we talk about all things This Is Us, not just the episode that we're reviewing each week, but also the bigger themes that come out uh, in the show. I am Christian Shabu. My name is George Black. And we have now fast forward all the way to the most recent episode of This Is Us. Um, This is an episode that's called The Car. Uh, It is the episode that is directly after Jack's death. But before we get into the episode, we want to talk about a phenomenon that is sweeping the world right now. Y'all know what we're talking about. We're talking about Black Panther. We are talking about Black Panther. Oh my God, what a movie. I can't remember the last time I wanted to go see a movie again in the theaters. Like, I'm about to pay for another ticket to go see this movie. And what I'm really excited about is I'm taking my little cousin Taylor to go see it as well. And she was really excited about that. This movie, how do you make a superhero movie that is also social commentary? Like, where where did that, when did that Through happen? the entire movie. Like, like, let's be clear. We're, we're not going to give any spoilers here because we know some folks probably haven't seen the movie yet. I just want to be clear, Christian really just reminded me about that because I was about to drop all the spoilers, but good. I can see it in your eye. You, you had the spoiler twinkle in your <laughs> eye, like I'm about to unload all of the greatness that is this movie, and people would be very upset with us. I apologize, y'all. That would, that, would really, that would really hurt my heart to know that I broke some of y'all's spirits with but spoilers. What's interesting, George, is that you are uh, one of the many people out there that has already seen the movie multiple times, and in fact, you saw the movie twice within 24 hours of seeing it the first time. So could you tell us a little bit about what you were doing uh, this past President's Day? Yeah, so the first time I went to go see the movie, I just went to go see it with some friends. And then um, the second time I went to go see it, it was during uh, what we called the Black Panther Day Party. So on President's Day, school is out. So uh, a couple of organizations, the Future Project in New Haven, as well as the Citywide Youth Coalition um, and the African American Culture Center at Yale, uh, got together and got 140 kids to come out for a free showing of the the back Black Panther. And then afterwards, we did a march all the way to uh, the African American Culture Center at Yale, where we uh, had a day party, DJ and music and dancing, and it was an amazing, amazing day. It was a lot of students in the room, a lot of great energy, um, and it was a good opportunity for these students. Uh, to be able to see this powerful movie and to see this powerful example of representation. And they were excited, and it was it was just a good day. It was just a good day. It was tiring, but it was a good day. It, it was a really powerful place to be, right? And, and both of us work with young people and have been doing it for uh, decades now. Mm. And, and there's always so much joy being around young people, and we talk about that a lot. Uh, but the, the joy that was in the room uh, when I got there at the day party part after they'd seen the movie, it, there was just a... There was a joy that was unmistakable, mm, right? It was, yeah. was really a powerful thing. And how could it not be, right? Like, we're talking about a movie that, from beginning to end, is a powerful experience. Also, incredible performances out of literally every actor in this movie. Mm-hmm. One of the performances that you and I were both enamored by, uh, and, and will lead us into our This Is Us conversation today, is Sterling K. Brown in this movie. How are you on the screen for, like, 20 seconds? And everything you said is like the bedrock of the movie. He was, it was like he was in the movie the whole time, even though he wasn't in the movie the whole time. He's literally in the movie for only two scenes, and it's about combined seven minutes. First, when 
Brown's character was was presented, he was a drug dealer. Like he was, you know, his son was outside playing, and he, they were marking this this route to uh, to do X Y Z. And the the king of um, Wakanda comes in. Oh man, I'm about to give spoilers. Never mind, y'all. All we can say right now, right, is that <laughs> Sterling K. Brown, in the matter of about seven minutes on screen, in two different scenes that are far apart from each other in the movie, true, true, is able to elicit uh, the kind of emotion that he does each and every week that we see him in This Is Us. I need y'all to go out to see this movie so that I can talk to y'all about right. it. Black Panther's our unofficial sponsor of the Is This Us podcast this week, clearly. Right, uh, right. So go see that movie. But I will also say that there was definitely... It was great to see uh, uh, Sterling K. Brown in this movie. And it's just it's just a testament to how absolutely versatile he is, right? Like, to see the emotion that he invoked in the movie with such a short amount of time. I'm not surprised because I've been seeing him do that for the last, what, 20-some episodes. So it... It, it was awesome to see him be in that element, though. It is, yeah. And and what's funny enough, in this in this recent episode that we're going to be talking about, um, he's actually not in it at all, right? The older versions of the kids, of Kate, of Kevin, and of Randall, aren't in this episode. We are at the point in our show now where we need to do our This Is Us recap in 90 seconds. And, and from last week, George, you have set the bar incredibly high where you hit the mark exactly at a minute 30 seconds. Now I just need to know, Christian is an incredibly competitive person. So we are about to have a competition to see if he can do better than or hit the mark of 90 seconds. It's funny, George, because this is the first time in competition with you where I'm actually nervous. Listen, we're not going to feed into that negative energy. Did y'all peep that? We're not going to do that. We're not. It's all love here as the Is This Us podcast. We're not going to. We're not. Now I'm getting competitive. I'm just going to start the clock. All right. I'm ready. Okay. So clock starts now. So this episode starts off with Rebecca in the Jeep Wagoneer that is the family's vehicle. And she's by herself. She's looking down at a cup of coffee, which we assume is Jack's cup of coffee. And she's waiting impatiently for the kids. Uh, they are going to what is going to be Jack's funeral uh, by the tree that is his and Rebecca's tree. And then throughout the episode, we get flashbacks back to the original moment when they purchased the Wagoneer. We get episodic moments of, of them in this vehicle, right? So a lot of this episode is focused around like their travel, their experiences, their growth uh, in this vehicle. And so we get flashbacks to Randall learning how to drive for the first time. We get flashbacks to the moment where Rebecca had a cancer scare. Uh, we get flashbacks to the moment where Jack catches Kate skipping school to go see Alanis Morissette at the record store. And so we get all of these interesting moments and it culminates in a few moments. Obviously the funeral, Dr. K comes back for a brief moment and gives Rebecca some really powerful words, recenters her on just how strong she is. And then we uh, get some moments where the kids and Rebecca are spreading the ashes of Jack right by his favorite tree. And we end up in the car as we did at the very beginning of the episode with them driving, only this time Jack is not with them in the most physical form. He is with them omnipresent and we get an amazing soliloquy by Jack as far as why his family is going to be okay. second over but that was really good you didn't tell me you were gonna do the whole buzzer thing i apologize you didn't tell me okay you're right you're right you're right audience i apologize he's right i should have warned you about the buzzer 
my, my deepest and heartfelt apologies. I mean, you all, we're only two episodes in. You can be the judge of so far how these recaps have been going. But in a very non-biased way, I think I'm the winner so far. <laughs> I'll give you that. I'll give you that. I'll give you that because, because I love you. Which leads us into what we like to do here at the Is This Us podcast, which is every week we look for what we call the big three. Big three! The big three. And these are the three biggest themes or topics that we decide that we want to talk about each week that that really seem to stick out to us as like really important, pivotal things, not just about the show and understanding the landscape of this show and this world, but also how it it talks about the world around us, Mm -hmm. right? And and what's the commentary we're getting there. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so the first point is actually one that uh, you pointed to an awful lot, George, uh, and that we made. And this was about how lost this family Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. um, from the very moments that we see them at the very beginning when Rebecca's waiting for the kids, waiting waiting for them to come out so that they can go to the funeral. Yeah, man, it was just an overwhelming sense of, of lostness um, from the first time we saw the, uh, the family going to the funeral, we got the, the boys in the back. Kevin is trying to put his tie on and he doesn't know how to do it. And Randall was trying to teach him how to do it like his dad told him how to do it. We get these quick snippets of both of the boys putting on the tie. We got Kate feeling horrible about her dog and, and, and the role she feels like she played in, in her dad's death and the underhanded comments she made about giving the dog away. And we have uh, Rebecca who who hears this stuff. One of the points that I had made earlier when we, uh, me and Christian were talking was it must have been incredibly frustrating for Rebecca to hear Kate say, I'm just going to give the dog away, knowing that her husband went in to save that dog. And yet she's also incredibly tired and incredibly out of bandwidth and even her response, just, just, there's this level of like, I don't exactly know what to do with her or with my children right now. It was, they were just, it was clear how much of an anchor Jack was in that ride. Right. There's complete resignation from Rebecca. And what's interesting is that like Jack in those moments where Kate would say those angsty things, he's always the one that somehow brings her back around, mm-hmm. right? And and questions her or pushes her in the most loving ways, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and that's what really stuck out to me in that moment early on where they're just so completely lost. So they show up to the funeral an hour early before anybody else shows up because Rebecca said she wanted to be there for when Jack got there at the very first moment. And that's interesting too, because usually we see from from the previous season and a half now, the, the Pearsons are fairly on time and mm-hmm. always seem to be showing up places right when they're supposed to. And and this is a moment where even without Jack there, they're late, right? Um, but we even hear from Miguel, like he's talking about, and you can hear um, his sentiments of just feeling really lost and not being able to really even deliver uh, the comments that he wants to eulogize his friend with. There's this idea that like Jack's presence is such a a beacon, right, mm-hmm. for, for so many people. Um, and, and this gets to another point which we thought was really incredibly powerful, point number two for us, which is this idea that Jack has this, as, as you put it, George, like this clairvoyance, right? Like this, this clear sightedness and, and this power to see things before they're even happening. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm watching this episode and there's these little moments, right? Where Jack says things and, you know, this is the last episode that we've seen before the Winter Olympics came on. So it's, there's all this information that I have around what Jack is saying in these moments, having had manifested in some way, right? So 
Um, we already know when he shared with Rebecca that he was going to be the first one to go, that he was right. We already know that when he shared with his sons the nature of their relationship and the necessity for them to bond, and we see that happening with Kevin um, and with Randall. We already know how important music is to, to Kate and, and how Jack projected that, right? We see all these things, and then they get to the tree at the end, and if it wasn't abundantly clear yet, uh, Rebecca gives this whole spiel about how he, Jack is so bad at movies because he would ruin it even though he's never seen it. He already knew what was going to happen, right? He just knew. He just knew. He just knew. He was he was always right, is what Rebecca said. He was always right. And I'm just like, yo, Jack is a prophet. Like, what's happening right now? Like, It's, it's just really clear. Um, and now, and it's making me think of, I want to watch these other episodes again because it this episode has set up something that I think will inform the way I look at things. Like, every time Jack says something, now I'm going to be looking for it. I'm going to be like, how's that going to manifest? Because Jack said it, and Jack's always right. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. It's interesting. So one of the the first moments we have where, where Jack makes a pronouncement that's, that's very clear, like he knows something, right, is the comment of when Rebecca is having her cancer scare and they go to the tree... He says, like after they get after they get the notice that like no, it's in fact an inner ear problem and all that sort of stuff. Um, he says to her in the car, he says, you know, I'm gonna be the one that goes first. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna die first. And I said to you when that came around, that's actually a sentiment that is interesting and a little bit frustrating to me to hear, right? And and, and I think what's interesting about that sentiment is like I've heard that over and over and over and over from the men. In my life, right throughout throughout my lifetime, right, like this idea that like men always go first, mm-hmm. right? Like I, I've heard that from uncles who have since passed away. I've heard that from other family members, from whether it's my dad, my stepdad. Just like that's a sentiment that that exists, right? And so like that's one of those moments that felt both like a Jack knowing something, but also like a bit of a, a commentary on certainly men of of perhaps that generation. Maybe it's more of like a men thing like bigger picture but like this idea that we that we're gonna die before women and I don't know necessarily what's what's behind all that I, I, I don't know like what's what is that saying about our psyche about our understanding of our own lives about our position in in our families mm-hmm. right that, that we think that we're always gonna mm-hmm. be the ones that go first I mean I think it, there's, there's a lot there right because we already know Jack was in the army we already know that like he's he's looked at death before um so I feel like that there's a there's a weight that gets added to words that he say, shares about his own death, right? It also brings up another thought around what we were talking about earlier in, in regards to the way that Jack kind of fills this traditional role, right? He, like many other men, uh, has this inkling that, 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 that they'll go first. And maybe that's connected to his desire to protect or his commitment to, to do what it takes, right? Like... When it comes to the fire, there's this sense where Jack gave his literally gave his life for the sake of his family, for the sake of his family's happiness, for the sake of his family being able to remember uh, the past and, and 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 their experiences. That's why he goes in and gets the trinkets, right? The the pictures and um, even even Kate's dog. Uh, that yeah, there's just there's just this role that he plays that I think makes it such that Jack knows that that one day he would have to give himself up. I wonder if it's 
it's the idea around like men wanting to be in control of things, right? Because by making the pronouncement of mm. I am going to die before, like you're you're saying essentially like I am in control of when I am dying, right? And to your point of like Jack playing a traditional role, right? Like there are so many times in this episode, but throughout the history of the show thus far, where where Jack is in control. He makes the decisions, right? Like when it comes to buying the way, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? He never actually talks to Rebecca or the family before he makes that decision. He sees the kids playing in it. He goes and talks to the car dealer. And then after the deal is done, he's like, we got the wagon here, right? But, but he makes that decision. He's always making decisions. Now, the show paints that in a very positive light, right? Like Jack is in control and it's a very positive thing. That doesn't always mean that it's true or it's a good thing, right? And in fact, the, the moments, there are moments when he's out of control, right? And that's usually centered around his his alcoholism, mm. right? Or, or maybe centered in what we've seen as foreshadowing of like these, what are gonna be flashbacks to his time in in the army, in, in Vietnam. Like I think with the alcoholism, he'll he'll admit that he, there was some, there was a lack of control, but I think we're gonna get a lot more of this other time where Jack didn't have it all together and that's when he was in the army. Yeah, it's real clear that we just, we, we're just scratching the surface of, of Jack's story, right? Like we're, it's very clear. Which is interesting, right? Cause at the point in the show is when we have finality around like this is how Jack has died and this is how they have said goodbye to him right but we're only scratching the surface it signals that like Jack is going to live on for a long long time in the show mm-hmm. which is really interesting yeah definitely, definitely what was one of the other prophecies if you will that that Jack brought up in this episode that stuck out to you I think it's the one he made at the end of the episode this tremendous monologue that he gives around why the Wagoneer was the car that his family needed. He's like, I want my family to be okay. And then you've seen him, he's just like, I see it. I see it so clear. I see it so, there's that clairvoyant. It's not even subtle at this point, like the way they're painting it, right? Like, I see it. I see it so clear. My family is going to be okay in this car. And you know, the last scene that we see is them driving away to a concert, right? And they're okay. And his wife tells him at, at, at the tree, like, we're gonna be okay. He knew. Like, he just he just knew. I think he's a prophet, y'all. I don't know. <laughs> just putting it out there right now. Just, that's, my, that's my thought. That's Jack Pearson, the prophet. Absolutely. The emphasis on this car, right? Like, obviously, the episode is called The Car. There's this really powerful idea through this whole episode of, like, the life that is had in a, in a car, mm-hmm. right? And, and just, like, how important that is. This was one of the things that, like, I actually... There's usually one thing every episode that, like... I get really caught on and start going down the rabbit hole. Like I start looking at things on Google. I start like going to different articles, looking at Wikipedia. And the thing that caught with me was the fact that the choice is the Jeep Wagoneer. You see this car and it reminds you of a station wagon. It's got that old school like wood paneling on the side and (laughs) it's bigger. And in my mind, I'm like, Wait, why are we making a big deal over a wagon here? I just want to be clear. The car is kind of ugly. I'm just saying. It's, a, it's not, a, not a great looking car. But that's just me. I don't know. We agree on that okay, wholeheartedly, cool. George. Cool. Like, um, but that leads me to a point of like, okay, like there's a choice there. Right? So I was like, okay, so like, what's, what's up with the wagon here? Right? So we know that this family, at this point in time, it's in the 80s, late 80s at some point. And so I looked up the Wagoneer. The Wagoneer uh, was actually the first SUV that was ever created. Uh, at the time, it was called uh, Luxury 4x4, but it was the first SUV. The significance of the car to me is like it was a counterbalance to the last two episodes, the previous two episodes, right? Um, where what we saw 
was the significant items in their lives actually being the things that did them in, right? Um, so like the the crock pot, right? And the cloth that the crock pot was sitting on, these significant gifts that they got at, as a part of their marriage um, and how those things were actually the things that caused the fire that like flipped their whole life upside down, right? So this idea that the things they owned were the things that like did them in, right? And then you move into this idea with the car and it's almost for me like a like a redemption of that idea, right? Like the yeah, the crock pot made it did them in, but but this car that they own was actually like a source of life for them. It brought life back into the idea of, of, of what they own, not as things that, that cause harm to them, but things that like give life. So much of the episode is in this car. Uh, and also the piece that's really interesting to me is the prominence that music plays in this episode, right? So the, the first time we hear some music playing, it's they're trying to get over the bridge, uh, Rebecca's really scared, and they start singing a Weird Al Yankovic song. Right, and so it's the late '80s. They're all singing it. It's a goofy song, right? But it, but it's a family sort of bonding thing. And the, and the image that really stuck out to me uh, and resonated a lot from this episode is the moment where uh, Jack and Kate are in the car together. And it's when it's teenager Kate, right? And she's going. She wants to go see Atlantis More set at the record shop. And so she puts in the Jack and Little Pill album and. Jack is just like, this is this is torture to my ears. It has taken life off of my life. Complaining with the guitar. Right, complaining with the guitar. Um, and then he pops in Bruce Springsteen, right? And that's a thing that, for me, Bruce Springsteen is one of my favorite artists in general. Um, obviously, a generational artist has spanned almost five decades. Uh, but, it, but it's something like I remember listening to Springsteen in the car, which was a truck, right, like with with my dad, right? And like, and having those moments too. And, and he actually, Jack, the song that he puts on, I thought this was really interesting. Like I got caught on that too. It's like, what song is that? I didn't know what song it was at first. Uh, and it comes off the album from Bruce Springsteen called Lucky Town, which came out in 1992, which was probably like the last album Jack got. That was the newest album of Bruce at that time. Uh, and it's the last song on the tape, which is interesting, right? Because they're playing cassettes, right? They don't, they don't have CDs. They don't have anything like that. They're popping in cassettes. And so it means that they're at the end of the cassette when he puts it in, and it plays the song, uh, My Beautiful Reward. Uh, and that song is really all about uh, a man coming to the end of one chapter and reflecting on what has happened, right? So like, mm. there's some really powerful foreshadowing, just like with the choice of that song. Mm. Whoo. Okay. Ooh, you hit that one. <laughs> you Sometimes, sometimes I drop some gems. You hit that one. Gems. That was a good one. That's what happens when I go down the rabbit hole while we're watching. Like, oh, that's really cool. Like they must have chosen that on purpose. He told me not to be on my phone, and then proceeded to be on his phone. I'm just saying, I'm not beefing to nothing. But it was good because that gem came through. That was good. And so now we go into next week when we come to live episodes again. Woo! Very exciting. I mean, shout out to the Olympics. Hooray for all of those. Uh, Olympic athletes who have gotten medals, who have been able to participate, but but we want our This Is Us back. Absolutely need it. I thank y'all for y'all support. It was great to watch y'all ski and, and, and do snow stuff, and I want my show back. And do snow stuff. That was a clear indication that you have watched zero of the Olympics. Absolutely zero. There was one, yeah, I haven't watched any of it. Right, so. you were trying to think of even five minutes to watch it. <laughs> uh, it wasn't even on at the restaurant I was at. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. (laughs) 
So we'll be back next week. Uh, very exciting stuff for us with the podcast. Uh, we are now officially up on iTunes, so please go and subscribe, rate, and share. We appreciate you all very much that have been listening in these first couple episodes, and we promise we will get better and better each and every time. But for now, I'm Christian Shabu. I am George Blatt. And you've been listening to Is This Us, the podcast. We'll see you next time. We appreciate y'all.